This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Non and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guest today are Jordan James, Robbie and Kevin to go over the 2-1 win over Huddersfield at Turf Moor. Another win for the Clarets, that's five unbeaten, I think, since Joey Barton came into the side. St. Joey influential as ever. And two more goals for Andre Gray to add to his brace against Bolton in the previous home game. Um, James, we were hanging on a bit at the end, but it, it was was the result ever in doubt after going 2-0 up in the first half? Um, no, I don't think so, really. I thought... You know, yet again, we we didn't really seem to be, um, you know, at our best. But I, th- I think if we score two goals, it, it's probably pretty safe that we'll we'll get the win. What do you think happened? Was it a case of a bit of complacency? Was it just bad luck? Obviously, Keane hit the bar with a header. They went straight down the other end and Duff deflected one into his own net. Two one. Was that really a fair reflection in the game? Um. No, I'd say, I don't think we had a huge number of chances, but obviously the ones we did have, I think we took for the most part. Um, and obviously their goal's one that really you'd expect not to concede. So um, I'd, I'd say a win for us was fair. Um, you know, we're still at our best though, which is still a little bit disappointing that we've not really hit that top gear yet. Kevin, we've done this on the podcast time after time after time. We seem to talk about it every day, but every week, sorry, but is there a case of, are we taking the foot off the gas or is it just a case of doing enough to win the game, especially since we had another home game against Fulham coming just three days later? Um, I think it's definitely the, the latter there. Um, Sean Dyche, um, I, don't, I don't think we, I, I don't think we've, I can't remember ever really hammering a team under Sean Dyche, uh, even in the se- promotion season when we were such a, a strong attacking force. And I think once we got that 2-0 lead uh, on Saturday, that, that that was this from Dice. I don't think he would. He's not the type of player, manager who's going to kind of go for more goals. I think. I think once we have got that two that two goal lead, I think it's a case of protecting it from there, uh, there and out, and not not putting too much of our of our play at risk and, and going, you know, saying too many players forward and trying to grab that third goal. So I think it was a, a professional performance um, as soon as that second goal went in. Fairly routine win overall, and one main talking point regards to the first goal um, Andre Gray got into the box went down under a tackle from Lynch who he had to beaten off all afternoon by the signs of it uh, Robbie you had quite a good view of it do you think it was a penalty? I didn't think so at the time uh, I know the, I've looked back on the replays and the highlights but it's, it's pretty inconclusive but to be fair though I think he 
he makes it all himself. You know, he turns Joel Lynch inside out and then he drives into the box using his power and his pace. And I think if the defender's going to go down, he's always playing a, a dangerous game sliding in like that. So I think it was always likely to be given anyway. Jordan, what was your view of the incident like? Um, I was sat in the uh, James Argyle's upper and uh, initially I thought it was a was a Stonewall penalty. I just thought it was a sort of a mistimed challenge. But on reflection, uh, like Robbie, I've seen a few of the replays and I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think it's a difficult decision for the referee to make, um, particularly with the sort of pace and movement Gray has. I think to make that snapshot sort of decision is pretty difficult. But um, yeah, I think it was a sort of a need, well, it was a challenge that had to be made because I think if Gray had got past him, he would have um, perhaps had a shot and, and obviously scored what would have been a goal similar to his second one um, from that sort of tartish angle. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, yeah, just sort of the way the whole movement in real time, it would have been difficult for him not to award it. I think, and especially maybe with sort of the pressure of the home fans as well. I think we're all we were all sort of expecting it to to be given. So uh, yeah, I, I probably would have done the same to be honest. We're dancing around it a little bit here, lads. What about you, James? Are you going to give us a conclusive answer? There's a couple of people on Twitter who are insisting that Gray had dived. Um, I haven't seen it back on a replay. I, I don't think he dived, but I didn't expect it to be given. Um, I think it was one of those ones where normally, you know, it looks like the player's taking it out wide a bit. He's maybe not, not gone in the right direction. And, you know, it's a bit of defender sort of bumps into the striker, strikers off balance sort of thing. And sometimes referees just wave those ones away. So, you know, particularly if I look as well so far this season. So I was presently surprised to see it given. Um, but I definitely don't think he died. First penalty of the season. I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of shouts so far as well. And I'd say a lot of them have been more clear-cut than that. That is one of those ones that I really think is sort of 50-50. It depends on um, what the referee thinks the intentions of the two players were at the time. Was there any surprise to see Gray step up and take it? You said something about an agreement with Volks. Is that going to be a similar sort of deal to the one Ings and Volks apparently had before Matt Taylor missed in the last game? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, the way I see it, though, if you know someone like Andre Gray wins a penalty, you fully expect him to take it, don't you? You know, he's a he's, he's the top striker at the club, and I think you'd be disappointed if he if he didn't grab hold of the ball straight away and look to take it himself. Some strikers don't like scoring penalties, and Oladi Akibayi was one of them. It doesn't look like Gray is one of those. It's, Maybe a cheap goal, but he, he won it for himself, so I think he's within his rights to take it. Um, Jordan, it was another very commanding display from Gray. He's starting to, to really settle in, isn't it? That's four goals in his last two go- games at the turf, and the second one in particular, a really good move involving Volks and Gray. The ball was exactly where he wanted it, and a, a fine finish. He likes to take those shots early, doesn't it? And doesn't let the keeper set himself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, a big sort of factor in, in his goals. Um, as Dyche alluded to in, in the post-match interview, um, the movement and, and the passing for that second goal was really impressive and Vox's ball was superb. But again, it's just the sort of speed and the directness of Gray, which just gives us sort of another dimension and offers us something different from what we've already got in terms of strikers. So, yeah, I think the power with it with which he, with which he hits the ball sorry, and just catches uh, Jed Steer out at, at the near post. I mean, as you say goalkeepers don't have time to sort of ready themselves and, and prepare themselves for the shot and I think in most cases goalkeepers would expect the striker to maybe go across the goal but um, you know he's got that sort of surprise element in his locker and yeah it's really pleasing to see him sort of repaying this you know the money we've paid out for him um, but yeah I just think his, his energy he's uh, a live wire he's difficult to contain and, and I can't really see sort of an end to this to this rich vein of form is it at the minute really he's just playing really well 
he's just going to be too good for a lot of championship teams, isn't he, Robbie? How many goals do you think he can get? He's eight for the season now, and I think there's only Nick Blackburn at Reading got more. He's got to be a solid bet for the top goal scorer. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, um, a bit like Ings in a way when he's where he's got you know pace and movement that he can drop off as well just to behind Sam Volks. Um But I think he's definitely got twenty goals in him. I think he looks a little bit more clinical than Danny Ings. I know Ings was a little bit uh, guilty for missing a few chances, especially in the the championship season towards the end. But I think I think Gray's got that little bit more composure about him, and hopefully, he get even twenty five, even thirty goals. That's what I like about Gray, I think. He looks really hungry to score all the time. We talked a lot about Ings looking frustrated when it wasn't quite going his way. I don't think that's going to be a problem with Gray. I think if something doesn't quite happen for him, he'll just shrug it off and he'll be ready to go again. Um, Kevin, it's difficult not to compare Gray to Ings, considering he's pretty much the direct replacement, but he's a different sort of striker, isn't he? And it has taken a little while for the the players to get used to him, but there are signs that it's coming together. Um. He he's def- definitely a very different player, but I, t- I tell you what, I've I've watched that second goal several times now, and every time I watch it, I think um, I think Vings, um, the way that um, Volks and and Gray combined for that goal was it was very much reminiscent of the the, the partnership that Volks had with with, da- with Danny Ings. Um, Volks gets the ball and it takes a split second for him to know exactly the run Gray's going to make exactly the right weight to put on the ball exactly the right place to put it um, and Gray knows the same Gray knows exactly where Volks going to put it he runs straight into the play, space and hits that, also that, that fantastic finish in the end um, and yeah it's, it's one of those there was the, the one goal that always stood out for me in the, in the championship season was that uh, was it against QPR I think and it was one of those goals where you look you I watched that. I must have watched that goal twenty odd times in a row, just watching the the link up play between the two. And it wasn't the actual goal itself, which was like so great to watch. It was actually the link up between the two. And I found myself doing myself with, with this goal as well. Um, I thought it was a fantastic finish. I've I've been rewinding it and playing again, mostly to watch the the pass from from Vaux and the way if he's integrated. So that's really really encouraging. So obviously, we know how big a part of that partnership um, was in our promotion season, both. When when Vaux and Ings weren't playing together, I, both of their forms suffered uh, hugely. I don't think Vaux scored many goals without Ings. I don't think Ings scored many goals without Vaux. Um, so we, we we see how how strong, how important a partnership like that can be to a to a Sean Dyche team. And you could say we we lacked that last season as well because none of the the strike partnerships we put together really clicked at all last season. We would. And I think that's one area where we really struggled. So it's really encouraging to see that, that partnership coming on um, and, and developing. And hopefully it can develop even further. Perhaps would have been another clean sheet, but for, for Duff's own goal, which looking at, at that bite was just so unlucky coming after we were inches away from scoring at the other end. And then it's a cross that deflects off Keane's arm and then Duff just slices it in. There's nothing anyone can do about that. Um and one member of the back four who we've speculated a bit might be about to lose his place, Tendai Derikwa, um, involved very heavily in the first goal, but you noticed something else about his performance, Robbie, later on in the game. When we were 2-0 up, uh, and we were cruising, really, we really could have gone on and maybe won the game 3 or 4-0, I thought other still were there for the taking, but there was moments when Derikwa would get the ball and he, you'd expect him to maybe go flying forward and he'd just sit back. And I, I know we talked about George Boyd's ineffectiveness as well, uh, especially last week. I'm wondering whether um, Derek would have been a little bit uh, not having any attacking intent at the moment. He's holding George Boyd back. 
because Boyd doesn't have the the pace to get past any um, any other fullbacks, and he needs Derek there to to help him out. But he's struggling at the moment. Uh, I think if if Deitch is maybe a little bit cautious about Derek at the moment because he has been a little bit. Um, he looks a little bit. He, he looks as if he's got a mistake in him, especially when there's a high ball coming over the top. James, you've been very complimentary about Drakeford. Do you think this could be just Dash's way of getting him to develop the defensive side of his game by a, a game where we, we'd pretty much won it by half time to just concentrate on the defending, make sure he's doing the basics right? Yeah, it could be. You know, I, I think I said last week that for me, the the way to get the best out of uh, Derek Kirk long term is just to keep playing him unless you know he starts costing his goals and um, you know in, in situations where we, we don't need to, to you know throw caution to the wind and push on too much I don't see a reason why it's you know not sensible for him to just hang back a little bit and, and work on his defensive game um, you know obviously not hang back to, to draw people onto him deliberately but you know not, not go looking for those opportunities the same he would do necessarily when it's nil nil. It is. It's one of the things Trippier used to do. He just used to keep going forward, no matter the game situation. But I think fullbacks in the modern game do need to be more, more reactive to the game situation. And I think it's probably a good sign if, if Derek was learning or Dash is instructing when to stay back and when to go forward. I always remember um, Eddie Howe's last game in charge at Palace, where we were doing well in the game, but Trippier was just going forward way too much and leaving us completely exposed at the back and. Yeah, you need your fullbacks to be to be attacking weapons now, but also they still need to be able to defend. Um, I wasn't able to watch the game on Saturday, but Jordan, one of the things I noticed on the the BBC live text thing was that Joey Barton was breaking up play quite a lot in the last twenty minutes or so. I think there were three um, little instalments on the live text in a row that were fouled by Joey Barton, fouled by Joey Barton, fouled by Joey Barton. He's got that experience to know when to break up the play like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think they were just tactical fouls more than anything. And there is obviously no sort of uh, maliciousness behind them as others outside the club might suspect. But yeah, it just brings that sort of level head, that that sensible, that sensibility and the know-how just to sort of know when to, to break the game up. I mean, as we've established the, the last sort of 20 minutes or so um, where we were cruising, we're just very much almost an exercise in defending and, and just keeping the opposition at bay. And you could say that to an extent it didn't really work because obviously scored from, from an unfortunate own goal but yeah Barton um, with all sort of um, sort of Premier League experience and stuff he knows how to, to handle himself and knows how to sort of uh, act in, in certain situations I mean I think Huddersfield had a lot of the ball as well so it was just a case of breaking up their fluidity and play and making sure they couldn't really sort of gain a, you know, a, a sustained foothold in the match and and yeah we, we do need that I mean you know obviously if it wasn't Barton it'd be, if, it'd be Marnie if he was fit so I think it's um Sort of the role of, the, of that midfielder alongside Jones, who's more sort of possession based. You know, it's it's the job of, of the other midfielder to maybe you know break up the play a bit more and be a bit more sort of proactive in in those situations. But um, I mean, he did his he did his job well. I mean, obviously, you know, he did sort of tours the line now in, in his in his older age. Um, but yeah, you know, it just brings that experience and that level head um, that we need. The league table starting to come together now. Brighton obviously slipped up, dropped a couple of points. Um, allowing us and Hull to close the gap a little bit. Um, Kevin, do you think coming into the next international break a couple of weeks ago, it's important to keep this unbeaten run going. The momentum is really strong at the moment. Uh, definitely. I think by the time this podcast uh, is listened to by most people, we could be 
we could be top, I think, if I remember the table rightly. Yes, uh, uh, should just point out we're recording this before the Fulham game because of uh, the schedule just doesn't work for us any other way. So we did predictions for Fulham last week, and we're going to ignore it completely this week, and then we'll talk about what happened in the game um, next week. So yeah, the minute we're third, but we could well be top. Well spotted. Yeah, so if, you know, if we if we if we win and and Fulham, uh, not Fulham and. Um, Whoever the top two are, both drop points, and I think we'll be top. Um, and I've got—I think you've got—I've not looked at exactly the um, the stats, but I've, I, on instinct, I'd say we've got to be one of the, if not the, the form team of the top uh, top six at the moment. Um, like I said, Brighton. Uh, I think it's a while since they've won a game now, um, and obviously we we had a slow start this season, and it's been it's been picking up since. Um, so yeah, you, you you've got to hope. That, that we're going to keep this unbeaten run going and, and uh, yeah I, I, we've got a relatively tough month I think this month I think all all the teams we're playing are currently in the top half I think um, but yeah so if we can continue it throughout the end for this month who knows we could be particularly if we're as we're playing Brighton we could be uh, we should be aiming to be top by the end of the month I think it's always good to have something to aim for um, James you've got a, a good stats brain but I mentioned that it's I think five unbeaten since Barton came into the side as Andre Gray missed the defeat against Reading he's yet to experience a defeat it's, I suppose you could easily say that it's no surprise our form picked up when Gray and Barton came into the side better players than they replaced but it's it's an indication that, that the form is getting there. And although we, we have bemoaned levels, performance levels a little bit on the podcast, the wins just keep piling up at the moment. Yeah, I think particularly it's that, you know, players like Andre Gray, you know, sort of pure goal scorers, they're the types of players that if, if you have one of those on your side, you can get away with maybe not playing your best because you've got someone who's got a chance to, to score you a goal when maybe you're not going to get a lot of chances on the day. Um and obviously, Joey Barton can can limit other teams' midfields to what they can do. Um, you know, like you said earlier, he, he broke up play quite well late on, and um, you know his ability to do that is going to frustrate other teams, and and it you know allows you to keep games tighter when maybe you're not not having your best day. Right, well, leave Huddersfield there for now. Then fairly routine win for Burnley, despite um, a couple of late scares that had people fretting but Burnley never do the, the easy way do they um, the main thing we want to talk about on this week's podcast is the announcement from Burnley on Monday that an under 21 Premier League Cup site against Blackman Rovers is going to be played behind closed doors um, almost unprecedented step really the club released a statement saying that essentially it's due to the cost of policing Lancashire Police said it was going to cost um, in five figures so we can say that to mean at least £10,000 to put the game on and police it properly. Um, unrest at a Youth Cup semi-final in 2012 was cited for the decision when several arrests were made. And this, of course, comes on the back of the recent derby at Ewood where all Burnley fans were made to travel on coaches as usual. Um, James, we were quite strong on the podcast about that decision and how little progress seems to have been made. And this just seems to be the same again. The club doesn't seem to have stood up for itself. Um, yeah, but I, to be honest, I find it really difficult to to blame the club on this one because it's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Um, I don't think there's a, there's a good word put in it. It's just I don't understand um, the situation with football as it is in, in policing because it really is the case that you know 
the way I see it, at least, that taxpayer pays for the police. And if you know, 10,000 taxpayers want to go watch a couple of under-21s kick a pigskin about, then the police have to put up with it. Um, I don't really see why they should be saying this is what you charge. And, um, you know, I think it's, oh, it's pretty disappointing, really, isn't it, that some people can't go get some support to some uh, young lads playing football because the police want to charge a football club tens of thousands to, to stand around and probably do nothing. That's the important thing that we've got to stress. Most fans of Burnley and Blackburn, of course, are perfectly decent people, quite capable of going to watch a football match without having a fight. So it's disappointing for everyone who wanted to go to that game who now can't. Um, the poli- From the police's point of view, they stress that with so many budget cuts as well, they just couldn't do it any cheaper. It was basically what they said. Um, so they came up with what it had cost and Burnley basically turned around and said no. Um, Kevin, what's your view on this? I think it's a really difficult one, really, because um, uh, like, G- like Jim said, it's, it's, it's difficult to know where the, where the blame lies. And on one hand, you could say that the club um, haven't stood up to the police um, and haven't stood up for the fans. On the other hand, you could say that, that they are doing the saying, no, this is... This is ridiculous, but but you're asking us to pay to pay ten grand for this match, or in excess of ten ten grand either. Um, and you know we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. It, it's 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 one of those things as well because there is the police. There's not there's not kind of there's no kind of competition there. There's not the uh, the police. I mean, there's not another brand of police who can you know justify prices again. So essentially, the police can do whatever they want. They could say, okay, we're going to charge under grand, and the club's got to either pay it or not not hold the match not allow, not let fans in um I, I i really struggle to understand how 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 this how a reserve match is going to cost um that amount of money to to police um okay it'll be a, a reserve match with against two quite hostile rivals but it, come on it's a reserve match at the end of it it's not like um it's it's a playoff final where one team's going to get promoted and one's going to get relegated or whatever. It's, 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 this is it. This is it. What would happen if, God forbid, we played Rovers in the playoff final? Yeah, the world descend. How would the police... World end. Would they play the game behind closed doors? Like, the police would have to find a way to cope with 80,000 people. Uh, I, this I, is I think half of, of which were going to be devastated at the end of the game. Yeah, it's uh, one of, it's one of those games where I think, you know, there's a, bit, a little bit of pride at stake, but that's it. It's not. I don't think any. I don't think anybody really is going to care about this match anywhere near as much a league a league game. And okay, I, I'm not sure about those arrests you mentioned from a few years ago, but from to my knowledge, okay, we've been heavily pleased. But I don't think I can't think of any major trouble that's happened around the Burnley Blackburn fixtures in, in the last few in in years. Actually, um, you know, not even kind of you know around the around the town centres or the pubs or anything like that. I, I don't think there's. I can't think of anything anyway notable to to think to justify the police continuing to take such a such a heavy hand. And yeah, I think it's difficult. Obviously, you, you'd want the club to do everything they can to to watch to let the fans watch this match. But then you don't, you also don't want the club to be kind of held to ransom almost and 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 being forced to pay excessive figures just because just because they can. And you mentioned the police budget cuts. Is this just a case of? The government aren't giving the police the money they want, so they're trying to get out of us instead. Yeah, the police would say that it's it's budgets and they've got no other choice, but 
it's there's no transparency. You don't know what what all this money goes towards. Really, it's I think policing in, in football and the costs involved is a problem, and maybe this is just going to highlight it a little bit. Um, Jordan, one important consideration we've talked about the fans and how disappointing it is for them. For these young players, a lot of them, it would be one of the biggest nights of their lives, and it's been taken away from them a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, I think the sort of headlines around it are obviously going to sort of uh, be dominated by the fact that it's behind closed doors. I mean, it's a massive disappointment, and, and it's uh, it's ridiculous. You know, um, it's another twenty ones cup fixture, and as Kevin alluded to earlier, there hasn't been much trouble at all. That you know, certainly to my knowledge, in the past few derbies, a uh, first team level between the two clubs, and I think the one last month in particular passed without sort of uh, a great deal of incident. Um, but yeah, the, the players, you know, I'm, I'm sure before the announcement, um, you know, on Monday would have been really um, sort of, you know, excited. And, and as you say, you know, it's, it's a massive thing for them to have that sort of support taken away from them. Um, and I'm not just sort of talking as you know, as a Burnley fan, you know, I'm talking about sort of Rovers as well. You know, both teams will want sort of, you know, support behind them and, and trying to, you know, uh, help them along and, and everything. But yeah, it's just a massive kick in the teeth. And, um, I just hope that you know eventually it can be sort of played, you know, without all this um, sort of furor around around the match, sort of dominating it really. And uh, hopefully it'll be a really good game. Not that obviously we'll be there to see it, but yeah, it's just a massive shame. Um, but um, yeah, hopefully um, it can sort of prove to people, and, and obviously the, the game last month can sort of prove slowly to people and the police that, that games can happen between the two teams without sort of. Um, real sort of enforcement really Jamie I thought you made an interesting point about you know it being a shame for the players not getting to play in such a bit uh, you know in front of a, a crowd as such yeah I don't you know I don't think it's just on a personal level but I think on a professional level as well one of the, well, I think one of the biggest things for, for for young players is 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 probably going to be getting used to that um, that playing in front of a crowd it must be a great experience for them it would help their um, development wouldn't it for, exactly for yeah clubs. No, it, you know, I think Sean Dyche talked talked quite a bit about you know some of the young players not being not being ready, um, and you know it, it, it must be a, a you know a really big thing for a, a, a player to come on and make his his league debut for, you know for the first team in front of a big crowd, and for for most players, particularly at a club like Burnley, they'll never experienced anything like that. You know, if you're growing up at a club like United where they we get big crowds on even reserve games, and it's something the players are. Um, kind of grew up with, but a club like Burnley, the the, 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 probably the first time they play in front of a decent crowd will be when they make their first team debut, and that's got to be quite quite daunting. I think any any experience they can have before that, without the without the pressure of uh, you know having to perform in, on a, in such an important fixture, must be um, really valuable. You you'd think the the, the youth development um, kind of guys at both clubs would be quite pissed off about you know them missing out on that development opportunity I, I suppose it's 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 a double edged sword in, in a way that the police can hop back to this youth cup game and then probably also point to the fact there's been no trouble with, with all the coaching and that with the coaches because then they can go look that's what we have to do to make sure there's no trouble we had a youth cup game and there was trouble because we didn't have coaches and all that rubbish um, but Robbie, having gone to Ewood a couple of weeks ago and seen no trouble at all, this it, doesn't it just feel like a backward step to not be able to have a kids' game? It does a little bit. It seems a little bit ridiculous, but I, I, 
But I don't I don't know what the attendance would be for a for a re, for a reserves game. Like I think for the uh, youth cup t- tie, I think it was I think we took about four thousand to Ewood or something. We took quite a few, but I don't I don't remember any trouble of my knowledge, and I don't think there was any trouble at the Turf Moor one either. Um, but I, I I don't know if the if the police are worried about trouble, if the club's worried about trouble, why don't you just make it um, exclusive to season ticket holders and just open the Bob Lord stand? I don't think there'd be an, an, as much trouble then. Well, that was going to be my next question. Was there, was there no middle ground between having loads of coppers there and paying over 10 grand to have them there or just having no fans there at all? Surely there could have been some sort of compromise, James. Yeah, like OEPs only, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> exactly. There must have been something that could have been done. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't see a reason why you couldn't have said um, you know, season ticket holders only and for that, we'll just provide minimum police, you know, because no season ticket is going to cause trouble with that game because you lose your season ticket as well as getting a you know banning order. Well, this is the argument, isn't it, that, that troublemakers will use the game as an excuse when they're not actually football fans in the first place, so surely just find a way to not have those people come in. That, that's the job of the police, isn't it, to to stop football hooligans going to football matches. Yeah, and, and you know, Season ticket holders aren't going to risk the season ticket um, to see the big boys play over a you know little bit of fisticuffs at a, an under twenty ones game, especially when they know that Burnley you know one of the clubs that will really clamp down on people and uh, and put banning orders in place because they've done it before to, to plenty of fans. And, You've got to remember also we've got a, we've got a Claret's number scheme as well, which never ever seems to be used. Um, you know, it's not maybe not just season ticket holders, but maybe you know season ticket holders plus people who've been to so many games. It, yeah, yeah. They've, they've got all that data that they could have used to somehow to just ensure proper fans go. In. I think it's mainly season ticket holders who want to go anyway, isn't it? You know, those are the type of people who yeah, go to. Yeah, to be these, fair, um, it's, a, it's a Monday night game. You're not going to get a lot of people travelling from outside know, the area either. Yeah, you, it's a certain type of person who seems to go to the youth team games and. I, mean, I saw on the Facebook status announcing the, you know, the the link to the story on the website that there was a guy there. He said, "I've been to all the other rounds. Why can't I come come watch the lads again?" You know, people like that aren't going to cause trouble, are they? If they go watch youth football every round, you know, they just want to watch the youngsters who are going to eventually play for their team. So you know, it's, think, a bit, it's a real shame for people like that. I think. I think there's another point as well in, in terms of. You know, you say it's only for season, you know, mostly season ticket holders. That might be the case, but there's also the thing, you know, we're, we're in quite difficult times at the moment. Burnley's not the most, uh, the richest town, and football's expensive to go to. There might be a lot of people who can't afford to go to see the first team and thought this would be a really good opportunity to, to get to to go and see a decent match against Blackburn, but not have, not have to pay 30, 40 quid or whatever it is, uh, you know, to watch the game, and they've been kind of denied that opportunity now. I think that's a fair point, but the club is doing a lot more than than it used to 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 have more accessible prices. And I think um, I had to point that out, otherwise we'd probably get loads of emails going signing off the prices. <laughs> anyway, I think we all think basically the same on this. It's a shame and it's difficult to to know who to point the finger at. But the police the police seem to have acted unreasonably. I think it'd be a lot more transparent and easier to make a, 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 an informed judgment if if the police could provide some kind of breakdown of, of why it's going to cost so much money. Because that's some, I can't understand how how it costs that much money to police. So if they could maybe you know explain why it costs that to police, then 
then we might get a bit more respect because I don't think we've got any respect at the moment because, you know, like we said about the, the, the whole bubble match with the first team games against Blackburn. Um, and, and if, we, you know, if they could maybe justify this decision a little bit more, then we, we might be able to, you know, ex- understand it a little bit more. But at the moment, it just seems like uh, uh, unreasonable to me. Okay, well, please do get in touch if you've got particularly strong views on this and um, we'll maybe revisit it on, on next week's podcast. You can get us on email. The email address is podcast at net, or you can tweet us at net, or you can get us on Facebook as well if that's your social network of choice. Our Facebook thing is net as well, so nice and easy to find. Um, looking ahead to the next game, then, after this podcast will come out, will be Wolves at the weekend. Um, traditionally not a ground where we've had a lot of success mulling you um, but the form's good James and you've got to say confident of us getting a result against anyone at the moment Yeah you know we, we keep getting results when we've not been playing our best so um, I think we're due to to play to our full potential and hopefully that'll be it you know mulling you and uh, we can get a big win Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the Fulham game, but as Kevin points out, Jordan, there's a chance we could be going to the Wolves' top of the league with a long, unbeaten run. We're going to be seen as a scalp to a lot of clubs, though, and even a, a big club like Wolves, they're going to see us as a, an opportunity to, to really put their names out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan actually did to it after the the Huddersfield um, the, uh, win. Sorry. Um, yeah, the, the, the teams now are sort of recognising us more of as a concern, and... and I think that's going to make, if we do get promotion this season, that's going to make it more of an achievement because teams now know about us. We're a recognised threat, and I think Wolves will be exactly the same. Um, you know, I, I really rate Kenny Jacket, their manager. I think he's a really good manager at sort of a championship level. Um, but I mean, we were successful in our last win there, and um, albeit we go into this match in completely different circumstances, um, the ball teams really. But um, you know, hopefully we can sort of get get a win against Fulham and just keep this momentum going and. And with sort of this run of form we've got behind us, I'd fancy to get anyone against anyone at the minute. So um, I think three points is certainly a, you know a, achievable this weekend. They've got some good players, Wolves. Obviously, a club who've who've had some difficult years and they seem to be coming back under jacket. Obviously, they'll come out of League One, and I think they'll be pushing for promotion back to the Premier League in the next couple of years. Um, they've got some good players. I think Grant Holt signed for them on loan recently. Unfamiliar face, of course. Um, Kevin Rob. Kevin Robinson, Kevin Robinson in the Wolves midfield. Kevin McDonald. In the I'm going to score on goal. <laughs> Kevin McDonald in the Wolves midfield, and Robbie. He seems to be putting his career back together after a difficult period at Burnley with some some decisions that he'll regret. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> I see you're referring to the the the, the, the pub against Man City, the, but the uh, infamous halftime pub visit. Yeah, I think a lot of us went to the pub that night. <laughs> but um, Wolves seem a really good side at the moment. I think Kevin McDonald's like one of the key players now, and it's good to see him uh, beginning to reach that potential. He, he showed it a little bit at Burnley, especially in the League Cup against Arsenal, when he scored a good volley against Starry, I think the week before before the Arsenal game. But the, the Wolves game seems like a tough one. Like you said, they signed Grant Holt uh, recently. I think they've got Mike Williamson as well, the centre-half from Newcastle. I think before those signings, I actually fancied us to go to Wolves and win, but because he had a bit of a inexperienced back four, but they seem to have got a little bit of experience in on loans. I think the game's going to be a little bit more difficult now. 
Kevin McDonald was um, picked ahead of Scott Arfield for the Scotland squad quite recently, surprising to a lot of Burnley fans, but um, he really does seem to have taken his game on a level and he's showing the, the the class that we all knew he had that he didn't really display on a regular basis because it was all untapped potential while he was playing at Turf Moor. Yeah, I don't think it's a surprise to see anyone getting Scotland's squad ahead of Arfield anymore. I think. He actually called me up last month, but I, I had plans, so... Arfield Arfield could be scoring hat-tricks for Barcelona. I don't think he'd, he'd get him a Scotland squad. Um, there's, something, there's obviously something not quite right there. Um, but yeah, it, it's good to see. Um, obviously, we all, we all, we've all seen real sparks of real quality in McDonald's. And I think, I, I think we all thought he was probably going to have a, a prolonged period in the Premier League. Um, obviously, it didn't quite turn out that way. Um, he was obviously, you know, he, he was a young lad at Burnley, and he, he probably, you know, got thrust into the limelight quite, uh, you know, uh, suddenly almost. I think when he, he was uh, when he when he signed for Burnley, and when he was within the, in the Premier League within a year, I think it was, and to come from where he'd come come to in the Premier League, and go to the Premier League within within a year, that's you know, it, it's it's quite a big, uh, you know, big jump for a young lad. A lot of players will thrive on that, and. I think maybe he the pressure got to him a little bit, and yeah, there was a lot of stages when his his mind didn't seem to be on the football um, as much as it should have been. Should, should we say? And but fair play to him, you know, he's, he's gone back, he's gone back, gone down a few levels, and yeah, I think like uh, Robbie said earlier, I think he's been one of their uh, their key players for a couple of years now, um, and it's good to see because you know it's always good to see players you know getting closer back to their their, their potential. Uh, yeah, because good interest to see how he how he does against us. Um, it will be, be be good and interesting to see indeed. I always liked Kevin McDonald. It was a, the sort of midfielder I like to see, sort of strutted strutted around the pitch a bit. A lot of the time, he seemed to think that like the the football was just beneath him, and he was just going to do what he wanted. Certainly, the the Arsenal game that. Robbie mentioned one of the best individual performances I can remember from a Burnley player. I thought it was fantastic that night, and I'm I'm also happy to see him back. I think he's a very good player, and it's it's always a bit sad when you see a player with such a lot of talent who doesn't quite get there. So I think it's it's really pleasing that he's managed to recover. Um, Wolves mud mid mud table mid table. I can't speak tonight. It's absolutely appalling. This podcast has been a, a disaster. <laughs> Let me tell you the recording problems we've had just been awful um if you would like to take over as host of the known and ever podcast please do get in touch um, wolves mid-table as we go to molyneux um broke a run of three straight defeats with a derby win at birmingham at the weekend and they have been quite inconsistent so we'll end with predictions as always and we'll be able to bring this show to an end at last um james you can go first then predictions for burnley at wolves on saturday um, I'm bringing back the uh, the classic prediction, Andre Gray hat trick um, three <laughs> 0 Are you are you going for the approach that if you say it every week it'll be right? He's, he's got a venture. He's had two I a couple of times. He's now, so. great, isn't he? Because I think that's twice now he's got he's got a brace pretty early on, and he's look at he's going to fulfil James's prophecy, and it's just, it's just not happening. Oh, it's going to happen was, eventually. I was so confident it was happening on Saturday at half time. I put him on as the next goal scorer. <laughs> Speaking of next goal scorer, I was watching Bournemouth on Sunday. Junior Stanislaus, remember Junior Stanislaus, hashtag number one fan. Um, he came on at half time, so I put six quid on him to be next goal scorer for like 200 quid return. He came quite close, he had a couple of good efforts, but didn't score. 
Yeah, have you still got his email to you? <laughs> I've got it framed on my wall. <laughs> Moving on away from... from it's a shame letters don't exist anymore, Jamie, otherwise it would have been signed. It is a shame letters, letters do not exist. Uh, Jordan, a prediction from you? Uh, I think it'll be 1-0 Burnley, um, Andre Gray, 90th minute winner. Oh, nice. Stolen win. Robbie? Uh, a high-scoring draw, 3-3, Benny Kofobi and Andre Gray to steal the headlines. Oh, people just don't take predictions seriously on this podcast. Kevin? Um, I'm going to go for... I'm going I'm to be... I'm going to go for a two-all draw. A two-all draw. My prediction this week. And Barson's going to get a goal. Barson's going to get a goal. Exciting times. Uh, well, like I said, please do get in touch if you've got any feedback or if you want to come on the podcast or if you've got any podcast-related questions or queries or feedback or praise. Um, the email address is podcast at net and the Twitter and Facebook are both at net. I've been Jamie Smith. Thanks to James, Jordan, Robbie. Kevin for joining us, thanks to our sponsors at Neville G and we will be back next week, thanks very much, goodbye Oh thank god that's over Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, the same goes for McDonald's, maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.